All right, well, uh, I'm going to do the intro later, so we can just might as well just hop in. Okay. Um, dude, how you feeling about John 3? Sorry it's been so long, guys, but um, we've been kind of missing each other. So <laughs> I'm excited, though. John 3 is uh, – I love your notes. I love that you wrote so many notes. How you feeling? Um, well, so when I was digging into John 3 uh, – I had always heard of Nicodemus, which Nicodemus is the central figure in John 3 as far as context. I'd always heard of Nicodemus. Uh, I knew of him through my studies in Judaism, but I did not know the vastness of um, how much he was mentioned. Yeah. Right? So I went and started doing a little research on Nicodemus and found out he was mentioned 79 times in Jewish writings. So not the Bible, but Jewish writings. Yes, Jewish, like Orthodox Jew, like the Talmud and uh, Josephus mentions so Nicodemus, Nicodemus. So he's a New Testament character, but he's actually written about very, he's a historical figure. Yes. Like a very yes, prominent he, historical figure. So he was one of the richest three men in Israel at the time of Jesus. Interesting. Right. So one of the richest top, like top three. Yeah. Top three. He was so rich that, um, he's recorded in the Talmud as having, he would not leave his house unless he had servants basically paved the road for him with wool rugs as he walked. So how did he end up talking to Jesus? Did he just like sneak out the window or something? Well, so here's, here's another interesting thing. The name Nicodemus is not a birth given name. All right. Okay. Nicodemus is a symbolic name. It means the sun stood still for me. Uh, right? Because because of what, what because of a supposed miracle that happened when he was younger, uh, he earned the name Nicodemus because um, basically he had made a he had borrowed some money or not really borrowed some money, but he had uh, basically purchased water rights from a Gentile for one of the festivals. Okay. It's one of the holidays. He had purchased water rights for one of the holidays. Um, the, when it came time to pay the guy back, Nicodemus could not supply. Uh, he didn't have the money. Some, yeah. Something like he didn't have the means of paying him back at the moment. And so when the guy approached him, Nicodemus, uh, prayed and the sun stood still for him uh, while he went and got the money. Oh, so he's like, you better pay me by midnight. Or yeah, kind of, kind of thing. Yeah, he's like, oh crap. And so the name okay. Nicodemus literally means the sun stood stood still for me. That's wild. So right? this is, but this is all in Jewish history. Right. So in in John three, when Nicodemus comes to Jesus, what are the details? What are the details? He comes to him by night. So he be oh. <laughs> Okay. The sun stood still for this guy, and then he comes by night. Uh huh. Right. So it's just kind of like an interesting, like, hmm. Yeah. You know. So I almost think that uh, there's some sort of symbolism in um, his his arc, and yeah, and like the coming to Jesus by night. Um. So Nicodemus is known as a ruler. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, which is one of the um, basically seventy elite. Um, teachers. Uh -huh. So he was Israel. a teacher. 
Of sorts, yes. Okay. Yeah, so he was a member of the Sanhedrin. So he was one of the 70 judges Okay. Uh, that Jesus had, or that Moses had appointed, you know, through that lineage. Yeah. Right. That's where the Sanhedrin comes from, right? So when you see in Scripture somebody's called a ruler of the Jews, it's referring to the Sanhedrin. Um, he or she is a member of the Sanhedrin. Okay. So Nicodemus, we know, is a member of the Sanhedrin from this, which narrows down. Um, who he is, right? It just narrows a lot of things down. Right. Um, so Nicodemus begin becomes a member of the Sanhedrin around 30 AD, around the time of Jesus' ministry. Yeah. Um, he then is a member of the Sanhedrin all the way through to uh, Titus sacking Jerusalem in 70. Okay. Uh, which means at the time of him talking to Jesus, he would have been very young. Okay. I, I think I see where you're going. <laughs> so we have in the story of Nicodemus coming to Jesus, we have a rich young ruler yeah. <laughs> coming to Jesus. Uh, it's kind of a neat little, I'm, de I'm developing a theory. Like the more I think about this, the more dots I connect. Okay. So you think at a certain point before this, he showed up to Jesus and his disciples what must I do to? Uh, no, I think it's all the same thing. There's just different dialogue recorded. You think this is the same conversation? More or less, yes. Oh. More, more or less. Um, what a take. I, so part of the, the thing is, is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, the rich young ruler goes unnamed, but he's mentioned in all three Gospels. Right? The rich young ruler is not mentioned in John. Or is he? By the dun, term dun, dun. of rich young ruler, <laughs> yeah. right? So I think John basically just records more detail. Because he was there for that yeah, incident. Most likely. Um, he seems like a very detail-oriented person. Yeah, so like, if you look at like the Lord's Supper in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's like one chapter. If you look at the Lord's Supper in John, it's like four chapters. Yeah. You know, he's just, he's more of a detail-oriented person when it comes to conversations jesus is having do you think john would have known nicodemus by name more so than the other disciples well or the gospel writers i mean so definitely more than mark or luke okay uh there is a possibility that if matthew wrote matthew matthew uh would have known him by name um uh, but at the same time um uh, the writing of the book of Matthew was kind of a, uh, they call them synoptic gospels for a reason, right? The synoptic go gospels basically copy each other, uh -huh. right? So the writing of Matthew is looking at the writing of Mark and then adding other certain details, but it's going by the same general storyline. Really? I didn't, I guess I never really understood that. Right. Until now. Um, so in other words, it's like, it's like they're kind of, it's a kind of like us sitting down, years later and talking about a situation you're like oh yeah i remember that but also this yes okay. yes uh and so essentially like the, the the gospels of matthew and luke run along the lines of say like a biography right they come across this biography of mark and then matthew or luke are looking through them and they go yeah but he forgot this little detail he forgot that little detail yeah and so they add certain things in whereas john's gospel is like a completely separate storyline I don't know if we've already talked about this, but do you prescribe to like the idea that Peter wrote Mark? Um, I do not know. 
Is it, uh, it's definitely a possibility, though. Yeah, it? so I, there's only one book in the Bible that I'm really speculative on who wrote it. It's Mark? And it's the book of Hebrews. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, because it's either... Uh, it's it, People suspect it's Paul, but it doesn't really sound like Paul. Well, Paul think. also identifies himself in all of his writings. I think the book of Hebrews was written by another member of the Sanhedrin. Okay. Uh, who was a contemporary of Paul. Okay. Uh, specifically Gamaliel, oh, okay. who was Paul's teacher. Yeah. Right. And the reason why is because Jewish history states that Gamaliel was excommunicated in his latter years uh, because he listened to Christian halakha, which essentially means he was listening to Christian teaching and following Christian teaching. So he was converted most likely by Paul. He's probably pretty close with Paul. Not or, necessarily. Not necessarily. Uh, where, he, did, where did Paul go after when he was debating in uh, like everybody and he was like coming for everybody's head? Um, Paul spent most of his uh, ministry not in Israel, okay. abroad, uh, whereas it's, it's just as likely that uh, Peter or okay. James or someone like that. Would but he would, have, but would Gamaliel have definitely heard about Paul's conversion? Um, considering he was later down the line, prominent? yes, yes. Okay. Uh, he would have probably heard about it. Um, because it's like, we're, we're talking big names in history, yeah. you know, and, uh, besides Jesus at the time, uh, in, as far as like Jewish history, Gamaliel is probably the biggest name in the world. Uh -huh. He is, he's Sanhedrin, but he's the ruler of the Sanhedrin. So Gamaliel knew Nicodemus as well? Yes. Okay. Were they, do you, to be in the Sanhedrin, do you kind of go to like, is that your job? Or do you kind of just go to meetings? Is it like HOA? <laughs> like, okay. Uh, more like HOA. Okay. Each person typically had their own thing that they did, but being a member of the Sanhedrin was like, we need to convene a court. Okay. These are the judges. Yeah. Like city hall meeting. Yeah. So it's like a city hall meeting where certain people have certain say yeah. over things. And that's the way the Sanhedrin more or less functioned. Matter of fact, so I guess my, my that question, big book right there on the shelf is yeah. called Sanhedrin. <laughs> okay. Before we got off on that tangent. Okay. So uh, moving on from Pokemon um, back to the text. Okay. So we're, we're talking about Nicodemus and, uh, Jesus is now rebuking him, basically correcting him, saying, hey, you were supposed to, how do you not get any of this? Kind of, kind of right? Right. Uh, so Jesus tells him, um, no one has ascended into heaven, but he that has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Uh, it's funny you mentioned um, which witches a minute ago, right? And yeah. you're thinking about witchcraft and so on and so forth. The whole dichotomy of the serpent being lifted up in the wilderness plays right into the dichotomy of, or the, the teaching of Balaam, right? So the word for serpent there is the same word for Balaam's prophecies in Hebrew, Nahash. Okay. So in other words, what you have in in your studying numbers. Uh, 22 through pretty much the end of the book of Numbers, you have a dichotomy where uh, Israel is coming out of Egypt and they're getting attacked by Nahash or yeah, serpents. Right. Moses uh, makes a brazen one, sets it up on a staff, and if you look at it, 
then the serpents no longer have power over you. That immediately plays into the very, very next statements yeah. are, and Balak sends for Balaam who prophesies by serpents. And Balaam has no power against Israel uh, because the serpent was just lifted up. Okay. Balaam is of serpents. The serpent was just lifted up. The power of the serpents is broken due to Moses raising the brazen serpent. Are all snakes bad? Um, I'm not going to. Once again, <laughs> I, don't, I don't speak in alls or nevers. Okay. Just maybe a, a lineage of serpents are not good. Because there's a lot of pet people out there that are like, my pet snake is good. And good for you. It's great. Good for you. I'm not taking my chances. Yeah, my, my mother is deathly afraid of snakes and rats and anything of the sort. Yeah. Uh, and so I always mess with her. Whenever I find a dead rat, and I'll bring it to her, and she's oh, that's nice. pulled a gun on me a few times. A gun? That's okay. That's not what I expected. Okay, okay, okay. So, right after this, we go to this most obscure Bible verse. Yeah, the most the most forgotten Bible verse in history. Here, let's keep it in your version because I'm I'm going to be reading. I, I need to change my version. Uh, but if you if you look at it. Jesus says, so whoever believes on him who is lifted up like the serpent will have eternal life. Then he explains, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for the deeds for their deeds were evil. So once again, notice this conversation is happening at night with a man who's named after light. Right. Right? And now Jesus is kind of bringing it back to the light. You know, if we're of the light, the light has come into the world. Uh, it's just kind of an interesting, like, context. Right. Jesus is talking so much about light. and Did Jesus know about Nicodemus? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he would have definitely known who he's talking to and what is going on. Uh, this is not, uh, not, and that's not even like, a, well, Jesus knows everything kind of statement. No, like, he would have, like, historically cross paths with Nicodemus multiple times prior. Okay. Like where? In like the temple? In the temple in synagogues. Okay. Uh, so. Are temples different than synagogues? Well, yes. A synagogue is what's called a little temple. Okay. Right. And that's because there's one temple and it's in Jerusalem. There's okay. many synagogues that are all over the nation. Right. At the time period. Yeah. And even if a Jew lives abroad in, say, Athens, there's going to be a synagogue in Athens for yeah. the Jews in Athens. How do they justify, like, this is this works too, you know? Um, so that's kind of the, the foundation of what Pharisees are to begin with. Okay. Right? And so noticing Nicodemus is a Pharisee. I would also state Jesus is a Pharisee, right. which I have explained before. Um, and so the Pharisees basically, whenever they 
first formulated the, the Phariseeism. They looked at what was being done in the temple and said, this is corrupt. Okay. And so they basically just took the Torah away from the corruption of the temple is it, is it to like, teach the people. Is it like a denomination kind of separation? Yes. yes. Okay. The word Pharisee literally means to separate. Okay. So they, they're just... It's First Baptist and Second Baptist. Uh, in a sense. Okay. Yeah. So like, okay. essentially you've got like First Baptist saying, these guys over here are really messed yeah. up. We've got to separate ourselves from them. Yeah. Okay. Same thing. Uh, God forbid if anybody takes any of what I just said literally. Yeah. You're, you're Wait, taking I it wrong. I love Baptist, man. Yeah. I mean, just, you're taking it wrong. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm not talking about First Baptist, Second Baptist. Take your heart, man. It's an analogy. Uh I have to be careful because I'll say things like that. Next thing you know, you get a text message. Or yeah, somebody said that. No, I didn't yeah. say that. What are you talking about? Like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. Young man, Katie, calls out Baptist but, yeah. worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> um, but so it's interesting here, the dichotomy. He who practices truth comes into the light. And so Jesus is basically, Nicodemus comes to him by night. And Jesus is now telling him, if you practice truth, you should you would come to me by you would day. Come like, to me by day. Wow. He's a savage. And so he's like, and so that your deeds may have been manifested as having been wrought in God. In other words, if you'd have come to me by, by daylight, but at the same time, Nicodemus is like, um, I don't want to be judged. Hence, you have the same dichotomy with the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler, he's like, I just don't want to make that commitment. I don't want to make that step. Wow. Right? And so he goes away sorrowfully. At this point in time, Jesus basically sends him away sorrowfully. Right. Well, it doesn't say that anything happened after that. Uh, no, but Nicodemus is mentioned again later in Scripture as being one of the people that buried Jesus. Oh, yeah. And so it was uh, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea that buried Jesus, and it's likely Nicodemus uh, saying, look, hey, Pilate, we, we're, we're good. I've got money. I support your campaigns. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, you know, we're both. Let me do what I got to do. Yeah, let me, let me take care of this. And, okay, that makes a lot of sense. So if not for Nicodemus, he probably would have been buried some other place or thrown him. Could have been. Okay. Could have been, but Nicodemus and Joseph Arimathea were both rather wealthy individuals. Okay. And so they likely approached uh, Pilate with their money and their reputation, uh, which whenever Nicodemus is, one of the big stories that's mentioned of Nicodemus in the Talmud is him going to Titus in the same manner. Yeah. Like, look, we've got money. Let me, what, what can I give you to let you not destroy my people? And he's like, nah. I'm and Titus is like, nothing. There's nothing, you know. You're, you're screwed, bro. Why don't I just kill your people and take your money? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you going to do? That's crazy. Uh, if I can hop, if you can, are you going somewhere right now? No. Okay. Uh, I'm talking about like in, in the context, like in the, do you have a train of thought? No. Okay. No. Okay. So I was talking about Jesus's burial. Reminds me of the, the, um, the story of Paul being dead, right? Beaten he, and left for dead. Yeah. Was he left for dead or did he die? It never actually says he died. Okay. 
It says he was left for dead three times. Did he? Have, okay, I guess I've heard people say that he had an experience in heaven, but that's not that's not in scripture, is it? Mm, you don't know. Not off the top of my head. Uh, if there's something that somebody's concluded to that, uh, I would have to look specifically at what they're saying and okay. try to stay yeah. with it. We, we, we can go back to the, to the text. I just was like, I felt like I heard somebody talk about, oh, Paul spent time in heaven and like had to go back, woke up and walked into town. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. sound I, right. Yeah. I don't know if I would state something like that. At least not definitively. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I think Paul's, you know, closest to heaven moment was his uh, conversion moment when he's on the road to Damascus. Yeah. So after these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea. So in all the other texts, all the other gospels, is he going to Judea? Or does it say? All right. So Judea is different than Israel and Samaria, uh -huh. right? Um, due to events that happened uh, in the days of uh, Jeroboam and Rehoboam, right? The kingdoms had split. Uh, Jesus is from Nazareth. Nazareth is not in Judea. It is in Galilee, which is northern Israel. Yeah. Uh, and so Judea is where the temple is. Okay. Right. So Judea is basically begins at Jerusalem, you know, just a few miles north of Jerusalem. Okay. And it goes all the way south. Yeah. Uh, Samaria is in between the two. And you usually pass around that place. Um, you can't always pass around it, but you definitely avoid the people. Okay. So the facts, the fact is he didn't usually have to avoid it. Um, well, so he says, I have to go to Samaria, right? Yeah. So what, well, he went, he went to go speak with people in Samaria. Yeah. Um, but were the disciples like, okay. Or, well, cause they, they end up going into town, interacting with people, getting food, drink. Right. Um, exactly. I, I don't know. Okay. Um, sorry. I'm, I'm, no, it's, that's okay. I'm, I'm just, I'm careful of saying things if I don't. That's good, man. That's no, really they, good practice. I uh, learn that more. So, I mean, essentially, Jesus goes to Samaria. Samarians are children of Jacob. Right. Right. They are some of the same people. They still have the Torah. Uh, They're learned in Scripture. In some manners, yes. Uh, a lot of it has to do, Samaria is basically the, religion of northern Israel after Jeroboam and Rehoboam split the kingdom. Okay. Uh, and so essentially, contextually, historically, they split the kingdom because of the temple. Okay. Right? So in the days of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they offered sacrifices anywhere they wanted. Right? They would go on top of a mountain to a high place. They would offer sacrifice. And, of course, sacrifice means food. Right. Right, a lot of people kind of forget that they they think sacrifice is just some like religious ideal. You eat it. Yes, you eat it. I thought you that's, just left it there. No, that's where you, it. exactly. That's what most people think. And no, you every piece of meat you eat is a sacrifice. What? Every piece of meat? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you ate nothing. Your diet was sacrificed meat. Yes. 
Is it always me? And tithes grain. Tithe grain is also part of the sacrifice since grain so, offering. Okay, that's how you make bread. And- yes. So everything that you would butcher, you would take to Jerusalem to butcher. And so prior to the building of the temple um, in Shiloh, the um, the Ark of the Covenant kind of traveled the area. So in other words, when you were ready to butcher some meat, you didn't have to go all that far to do it. Yeah. Right. Well, now Solomon builds the temple and those who do not live near the temple are like, no. Why would I go? All, I, I can't do that. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to take my my cow all the way to Jerusalem, butcher it, and then have to carry it back. Yeah, that makes no sense. Well, in their minds, it made no sense, right? But it kept Israel focused on God, the temple, and so on and so forth, which is the context that Jesus comes in. Uh, So then you have the Sumerians, who are basically the people that are saying, nah, we're going to offer our sacrifices up here. This is the way Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did it. We're going to continue to do it this way. And we're doing the right the thing to keep him in mind. Yeah, like we're still doing it for him, but we're not going to go to the temple. Are we supposed to be sacrificing food? Um, we do, whether or not we call it a sacrifice or not. We're still sacrificing food. If you're going to eat beef, somebody killed that cow. Uh, this kind of... if. It, this will kind of, we'll get into more of the details of this okay. in John 4. Okay. Because okay. that's basically a lot of the conversation yeah, of John yeah, 4. I'm remembering now. Okay. Uh-oh. We can move on. Uh, so, yeah. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he was spending time with them and baptizing. John also was baptizing in the Anan near Salim because there was much water there. And people were coming and were being baptized. And John had not yet been thrown into prison. Therefore, there arose a discussion on the part of John's disciples with a Jew about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing. And all are coming to him. And John answered and said, A man came receiving nothing, or a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves are witness that I have said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. He must increase and I must decrease. That's where that line comes from. Yes. So what exactly is going on here? Right? So how are, how are people hearing that Jesus is baptizing? People are just going back and being like, I just got baptized. Well, they're baptizing in similar places. right. So it's like people are saying, oh, the, this prophet is baptizing over here. Well, John's disciples are like, Was it Why common is- to be baptized ever? Yes. Very common. Yes, baptism is not a Christian Christian thing. It's a Jewish thing. Jews get baptized? Yes, even to this day. For what reasons? Tons. Tons and tons of reasons. Um, So uh, anytime when you're reading in Scripture where it talks about and wash with water, 
That's baptism. That's a baptism. So it's way more common for them, though. Yes, it's for to them. It's to them. It's regular. Did they ever? So okay. So going back to like the tabernacle, did you have to get baptized to go in? Um, that's not just washing the hands. The, the right? priest did. Oh. The priest before they would uh, go and do their They'd be washed ministry, they would be washed. Wow! And then they would put on the linen for the ministry wow. and continue on. Which is why when John's baptizing Jesus, uh, John says, uh, you should be baptizing me. And Jesus is like, no, it must be to fulfill all righteousness. Hey. In other words, he's saying, I have to begin my ministry. I heard that he had to do that to become a high priest, to um, fulfill the prophecy of being a high put priest. Put together what we just said. Yeah. What, what, what you just said and what I just said. Same thing. Yeah. Okay. That makes a ton. Of sense. Right. So my when people I'm so upset that these aren't things that I learned. Where's the class? Where's the class? Right here. Right here. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Oh. Let me stop real quick. Okay, so we're back. I I am so mind blown that I'm not I haven't learned this. This is not common teaching. This isn't like because yeah. I mean baptism is 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 talked about like this it's this whole Christian experience. Well, it is. It, it is. And the symbolism is the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right. Um, there are, I, I do think there is more to it than that. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's this um, whole history. Like, it didn't start there. There's something that yes. it meant before. Yeah. So, uh, for example, uh, in Judaism, even to this day, if I were to say, I want to go become an Orthodox Jew, right? I would have to go through some classes. They would make sure that I would basically prepare me for a bar mitzvah, even as an adult. Like they would That's basically cool. prepare you for this. Uh, you would then be circumcised if you were not as an adult. Oh, uh, if you man. were medically circumcised, they would just make a little cut to get a drop of blood. No. Yeah, no, no. And then you would take a baptism. Okay. And you would do the ritual washing to basically symbolize that you are dead as a Gentile and now anew as a Jew. This is still practiced to this day. Wow. Right? So nothing, it, it's not a new thing. And that's why right here, um, whenever it says there was a dispute between John's disciples with a Jew about purification. They're talking about baptism, right? I don't know exactly what the dispute is. I would think it has something to do with where and how and who is baptizing, you know, the, just the fundamentals um, of, like, who, who's allowed to, to perform a baptism. I don't know. Um Similar things that Christians would argue about today, like concerning They're baptism. saying you don't know, or do you, you know? No, I'm saying I don't know exactly what they were arguing about. Oh, okay. Uh, but, like, that's... What are the qualifications to be able to baptize? Depending on who you ask. Are we talking Christian baptism, or are we talking Orthodox no, 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 Jewish back baptism? Let's talk about back then. Uh, back then, it would likely have been done by a rabbi, but it would not have necessarily been done by anyone. It could have been... Um, done by yourself. Yeah, you could have went and baptized yourself, essentially. A ritual washing. Okay. For example, 
I think one of the most common baptisms, and uh, if this is not necessarily PG, so I'm going to give, uh, we can cut it if, there, yeah, if there's kids that are listening, um, ejaculation, huh, okay. right? It says you must go wash with water and be unclean until evening. So essentially every time you had sex, right, you would have to go be baptized to be made clean again. Even with your wife? Even with your wife. And she would have had to as well. Until, like, there's a time, even after the washing, you're still unclean? Until evening, which basically just means, like, the rest of the day. Like, you had sex, you're not going to take a bath. <laughs> we essentially, like, take a bath in baptism. You or, clean yourself, man. Yeah, very synonymous. Yeah. And that's what people don't realize. Well, is, it the, is it the same thing if you, like, go outside to work hard? Uh, not necessarily. It would, like, there's certain things that would make one unclean. And in order to be made clean again, you would take a baptism. So every time you took a bath, it was baptism? considered a, a mikvah. Yeah, mikvah is the word uh, tevila, mikvah, and immersion in water. What? So okay, so it sounds like Jew Jewish history is that everyday common practices mean something. Oh yeah, and oh, yeah. everyday common practices in Christianity don't. There's always this one of them. Yeah, we don't. Well, we don't definitely put a lot of emphasis on everything. In Orthodox Judaism, when you put on your shoes, you put on your right shoe first, and then your left shoe. You wash your hands. You wash your right hand first, then your left hand. Uh, and so, like, there's literally a conscious paying attention to every single thing you do. I feel like if you wash your right hand first and then your left hand, you just make the right hand dirty with the left hand. Uh, well, no, because you do it with running water. So you would basically pour water over oh, one okay. hand and then you would pour water over the other hand. Yeah. And you would do that three times back and forth while reciting the blessing of blessed are you, the Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us in his commandments and commanded us to wash our hands. But in Hebrew. Um, Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> that was kind of cool, dude. That's awesome, man. So John's disciples are arguing, and then John's like, what are you freaking arguing about? Yeah, like, like, this, like it's okay. It's yeah. Jesus. Did they? So did John's disciples understand who Jesus was? Um, I think, well, because he said. So he's is John a rabbi? Is John a rabbi? John is more likely a Cohen. He's a priest. So how does he have disciples? So priests right. have disciples as well? Not always. Sometimes? So sometimes, yes. Okay. Right? Um, discipleship is very, very common in um, in Judaism at the time. Okay. It's very common in, um, for example, if you go to Japan and you want to become a sushi maker, you have to apprentice as a sushi maker. If you want to be a tattoo artist, you for apprentice. a long, you apprentice. You're a disciple. Yeah. Right. So, in other words, the disciple, the the master, the rabbi is teaching the disciples what to do. So, because they agreed to be disciples, are they wanting to pursue that as like their life career? Um. Well, so if being that he was a priest, right? We don't know exactly. Uh, what was the role? Of, I guess what was the role of a priest? Did, did sacrifices. Okay. Right. So priest, Yes. In a, in a sense. Okay. Um, so a, a butcher mentioned in um, one of my favorite 
uh, statements in the Talmud. I, I reference this one all the time, yeah. jokingly, but where it talks about these three had their lot in hell, the best of butchers, right? Which the meaning for that is they're not priests, right? The butcher is doing the job of the priest, but not being a priest. Right. That's why they're looked down upon. Are they, do they take money to do that? Typically. Okay. Uh, the priest didn't. The priest took the tithe. And right? they would so, do the sacrifice for free. Yes. The sacrifice was all part of, like, they got paid in food. Right. Not money. Oh, uh, so they would, so, okay. They couldn't have luxurious things? Most of them didn't. No. Well, John so a, like. a priest only worked um, five weeks out of the year. No way. Did they have other jobs the other time? No. They worked they were, five days a year? No, not five days. Five weeks. Five weeks. Did I say five days? Yeah, so. I apologize. Yeah, I, I could five weeks. I'm going to make you feel bad about it. I'm just yeah. kidding. I probably, I probably got it wrong. Five weeks a year. Um, they worked five weeks a year. Uh, one week was Passover. The whole week of Passover, the They're priests were working. All, right, all, all week. And all the priests worked. So David, when he... Um, he divided the priests up into 24 classes, 24 sects of priests. Each of these sects worked two weeks, and then on the holiday weeks, they all worked. Oh. All right. That's the life, man. So basically, for these five weeks they're working, they are the busiest people on earth. Like sun up to sundown, constantly butchering for five weeks. For five for five weeks. Not necessarily back to back. No, they wouldn't be back to back. So one week is uh, Pentecost. Mm -hmm. One week is Sukkot. One week is Passover. Yeah. Which are the the major holidays of uh, the Jewish calendar. Right. Right. And then you would have your two weeks that you worked for your course, your priestly course. Were priests allowed to get married? Oh, they were required to. Required. Yeah, not, not allowed. They were required to. So you couldn't be a priest if you weren't. So John was married? Um, good question. At some point, maybe? Whether or not he operated as a function of the priest, we don't know. He was of that lineage. We don't, uh, we don't know anything about John the Baptist other than what the Bible tells us. He ate locusts. He wore candles. Right, yeah. So we, we've, we know very little about him, functionally. The, everything else is speculative. Right. Sounds like we, right we know he yeah. was we know he was a priest because his father was a priest. Okay. Right? So we know he was of the course of Abijah. Whether or not he was qualified to work that course or not could be questionable. So in other words, if he had if he was born with like a nose that was too big, he's disqualified because he's not perfect. Perfect. He's, he's disqualified. Wow. Right? So imagine he walked with a limp, he's disqualified. Like, there's a thousand things. Yeah. I've heard people say that Paul had to be married at some point because his rank. Um, but we don't, Paul never had a rank. That's the thing. Oh, really? Right? Because Paul was unmarried, he never had a rank. He was just, uh, he was a scholar, a member of the school of Hillel, but he was not a rabbi. He was never called rabbi. Oh. Okay. Right, so exactly, we don't we don't know. Like a lot of this is once again speculative. Right. Uh, he, he was not marriage like a waste of time. Right, and so <laughs> I think like later in life he's, he's, he's like, yeah, I don't I don't even care. Like I would rather do the mission 
Uh, and so, like on the on the road to Damascus, he is basically just carrying um, documents, right? He's given documents and a charge by the Sanhedrin. Yeah, but he's not a member of the Sanhedrin. In other words, he's doing the Sanhedrin's dirty work. So Sanhedrin, okay, wow. So Sanhedrin, which Nicodemus is still a part of at that time, yes, is ordering him to order people to kill Christians. Christians. Well, so we we. Nicodemus was a part of it. We don't know when. We don't know time. whether or not. I, I highly doubt he was for it. But, but so is you it have voting issue. Um, in some cases, yeah. So you have seventy-one members. Seventy-one members of the Sanhedrin. So you break the tie. You have seventy members, and you have one who has the final judgment, right? Which the one who has the final judgment is Gamaliel, which is why. In Acts chapter 4 or 5, whenever uh, Peter and them come before the Sanhedrin, and they're like, what should we do? We've told you not to speak in this name. It's Gamaliel that has the final judgment. Oh, wow. Right? It was Gamaliel is Paul's teacher. It's so much smaller, like the, the population back then. Well, there's just some people that are very prominent. Right. It's not so much, yes, it's smaller population, but... There's just so many certain people are highly prominent. And when the writers of the Gospels and the book of Acts are recording these things, they're recording prominent people. Right. It's like if I ran into Johnny Depp, I was like, hey. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, I, got a, I got a letter from the president that says this, right? I'm going to. It's their name dropping. Yeah. I'm definitely going to name drop the president. Yeah. Right. It means something. Correct. Okay. And so Gamaliel is basically the president of the Sanhedrin. Wow. And so uh, in the book of Acts, they're name dropping Gamaliel. And Paul name drops Gamaliel later. He's like, I, I studied at the feet of Gamaliel. Wow. Uh, so yeah, baptism, here's an interesting thing. Uh, I've often looked at what Christian baptism represents and compared it to baptisms in Jewish uh, context and culture. And I do think that the baptism that we take is similar to the baptism of marriage. Which is very fitting, right? Right, which is, which is why I've come to this conclusion. So whenever a Jewish woman accepts the marriage proposal, Right, she is betrothed. Right, she's not married yet, but she is betrothed. Like Mary was when Jesus, she had gotten. Yes, right. So essentially, what that means is they've the bride has accepted the ketubah, which is the marriage agreement. Yeah. Her father was paid the dowry, and they drank the cup of the covenant, which are the three things that you would do for a marriage proposal. So they were married; they just weren't allowed to. Well, then the woman would then go take a baptism in the name of her husband. Oh. And this would state that I am no longer a single woman. I am now betrothed. Wow. So, so us getting baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Is basically us being betrothed to, God. to Christ. Wow. Well, Nice. So that's that's the connection I make. I'm sure somebody out there could disagree with me. I 
whatever. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, but that's the connection I make. Um, so John says, you know, I must decrease or he must increase and I must de decrease. He who comes from above is above all. And he who is of the earth is from the earth and speaks of the earth. He who comes from the heaven is above all. But he who has seen and heard of that testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has set his seal on this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, and he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And so I think a lot of this uh, really comes back to what's the, the dispute, right? The dispute is the context of this passage. I think John's disciples are basically saying this Jesus guy whom you testify of, why is he and his disciples baptizing? Like, yeah. What gives them the right to baptize? And John's like, look, dude, chill, right? My ministry is his ministry. So would John baptize in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit? Um, no. So does the Holy Spirit. It would have been the baptism of repentance. Is that what Jesus is doing right now? And then after he dies, he comes back and gives the charge to baptize. Well, so essentially what we have is we have ritual purification. And so Jesus and his disciples are going through Israel purifying people. Get ready for what's going to happen. Like, yeah, clean, giving them the, doing the ritual purification, cleaning them, uh, getting everybody ready, prepared for the jobs of the priests, so on and so forth. Yeah. Cool. This has been great. This is awesome. I'm good. I'm all questioned out. I have a lot to think about this week. Um, is there anything else you got? Oh, no. That's all off the top of my head. Okay. Well, hope you guys had a, a good listen. And an inch, we had a, definitely an interesting conversation today. I hope I didn't rub too many people wrong. Yeah, I mean. I'm used to it, though. That's fine. It's views, you know? Yeah. Um. I hope you guys have a good week. Thanks for watching. See you. See y'all for John chapter four. All right.